Hello, everyone. Welcome back to our podcast. We are glad to have you. I am Kelly Birmingham. This podcast is a retrospective look across my 25 plus, now of like 28 year career working with children and adults on the autism spectrum. We're glad you found us. As always, I have my partner in crime, Jen Lucero, mother to Dylan and Ethan. Hey, Jen. Hey, Kelly. How are you doing? Good. So this topic is fun, something we both have, <laughs> both have experienced firsthand. Yes. <laughs> We're talking autism and divorce. Mm-hmm. I, in researching this, I was trying to find anyone else had done a podcast on this topic and I didn't find one. Um, really? Wow. That's surprising because the rates are so high. Yeah. None of the ABA podcasts that I could see talk about it. And mm-hmm. I was just like, heck yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah. I so, think it's smart. Right? <laughs> Since we both know it firsthand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so before we get going, we always have to give our shout out to our sponsor, SitePro. If you haven't been to SitePro, um, log on. They give a range of engaging and practical continuing education courses developed by BCBAs for BCBAs, and you can find them at SitePro.com. All of our podcasts are on their website for free. Um, BCBAs listening can get free CEUs, um, hearing engaging topics like divorce and autism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um we also, you and I are doing a live event with them, November 17th, that will also be recorded about the real holiday tips. <laughs> and yeah, that would be good. Perfect yeah, timing. I know. So, all right, divorce. I'm not shy to disclose I have been divorced. Um, I remarried someone who has a daughter on the spectrum. I've watched the impact of my stepdaughter trying to figure out how to have a (laughs) stepmom. It was ugly many Mm -hmm. times. Today, actually, I can share a beautiful story. I'm, you know, I'm, what am I, 14 years into this. And today was, I have a real beautiful story I'm happy to share. You yourself, divorced? Yes. (laughs) Son on the autism spectrum. Yep. (laughs) Two kids. I was with you through that. (laughs) Yes. We both survived. So. And we're both like good people now, so you know, we're for yeah. it's for the better, right? That's why yeah. I, that's why I got rid of McKinnon. Lots of people knew me as Kelly McKinnon, like a lot uh-huh. of people for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And people said, "Why would you change your name?" And I said, "Because I don't ever want to be associated with that man. <laughs> He's <a> shady dude." <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, I did some research and. I found an article, it was published in 2011. I couldn't find, there's mixed data out there. This one was an actual sort of like research article um, and it was in the National Library of Medicine. And it said parents of children with autism or ASD had a higher rate of divorce than the comparison group of families without children on the autism spectrum. The data is mixed on it out there, if I'm being honest, I've seen different things. Um, This data said 23, 0.5% of families on autism got divorced versus the national average of 13.8%. Sounds right to me. I got to tell you, I've worked with thousands of children in my career. Whole bunch of their parents got divorced during Yeah, I would think it would be higher, but I mean, I guess it could also be on the time range, you know? I think people with older kids, like my, you know, son, like I know a lot of people that were divorced at that time, but 
you know, maybe people are trying to stick it out, like, and, you know, yeah. this day and age. Well, it's interesting because, um, you know, when it, a lot of it had to, a lot of it depended on the age of family members mm-hmm. and I'm sorry, age that people got married mm-hmm. and how soon they had children. So mm-hmm. I found some, you know, some data that showed that families that um, were younger when they got married and had a child quicker in their marriage, um, who then were diagnosed with autism, those families were more likely to get divorced. That's, <laughs> that's, that's my yeah. husband. Mm-hmm. 100% my husband. Mm-hmm. And yeah, because I, I mean, we, um, I got married when I was 27 and got pregnant pretty quickly. Had Dallin at 28. Um, yeah. And yeah, so I had him kind of right away. So I consider that pretty young, you know? Yeah. That was yeah. the statistics. It was under mm-hmm. 30. It mm-hmm. was people married under 30 um, and a child within the first two years. Yep. Um, yep. And diagnosis of autism, higher rates of divorce than other families. Makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, all right, I'm going to walk through some stuff and you can tell me. I, I promised my husband, Bill, I wouldn't throw too much about his prior marriage under the bus. So I won't do that out of respect for him yeah. and Melanie. But I yeah. will give the perspective while we're going through this of what it's like to try to be a step parent to a child mm-hmm. on the spectrum, which was a rude awakening for me because... You know, I'm a BCBA. I've, I, frankly, I have the experience where most children and families love me. <laughs> like mm-hmm. all my clients loved me. My, you know, I, I was very successful. It was a whole friggin' different ball game trying to do it for my own child. And mm-hmm. that has a lot to do with what launched this podcast, frankly, because I was like, wait a minute. It's the whole emotional component, the guilt involved of, how you feel raising a child on autism which we've done podcasts on before it's a thing (laughs) definitely definitely so it may be not effective at all and frankly well we'll get into some of those things but um a couple of things that there are also statistics that talked about this divorce rates in these situations were higher in minority groups as well Mm -hmm. right no surprise also had to do with no surprise, severity of the autism, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, and um, disagreements around the diagnosis of autism. Mm-hmm. Sound familiar? Yes. <laughs> that was my husband's scenario too. Mm-hmm. I, I, a lot in my, over the years of my practice families, um, not agreeing both on the d- diagnosis and the strategies to use for the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the reason I think this is important is because there's like, oh, I should know the number, 60,000 something BCBAs right now. I was, I became a BCBA in 2003. I'm the 1,360, 58 BCBA ever. They're now OG. OG. (laughs) There's about 60,000 plus of them. Mm -hmm. But do you know nearly five percent, sorry, um, over 50% of those have only been certified for five years. And the demographics actually talk about their ages. 20% of BCBAs are between the age of 18 and 24. That's super young. Yeah. Right? And then 45% are under the 34 years old. And so is that important? 
not in a lot of ways, but if you're thinking divorce and life experience, you know, I wonder yeah. how many of those BCBAs have been married and had, you know, gone children. through some of these. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah had children know what it's like. So to me, that feels like all the reasons to do this podcast. So let's get into yeah. strategies and feelings. <laughs> I, As always, Jen, you graciously share a lot about your life. Feel free to share what you feel comfortable and don't mm-hmm. share what you don't feel comfortable. But um, divorce is painful. Definitely, definitely. Do you want to? I mean, how how old was Dylan? I remember, but for our audience, how old was Dylan when you got divorced? And talk about if you don't mind what that was like for you guys. So my kids were um, my youngest, Ethan is six, and Dylan was eight when it all went down. And And they're uh, how old now, so our audience can know. So, um, Ethan just turned 22 yesterday. Oh my God. And Dylan is turning 24 uh, next month in December. Um, So it's been quite a long time. But, you know, always still painful, even when you're happy now, you know. Um, It's always life altering. Um, I think it was extra hard for me, too, because... um, you know, my I'm an only child, and my parents um, got married super young, and they've been married forever, like fifty-three years, and have lived in the same house since I was six months old. <laughs> and like, you know, they actually still like each other and stuff. And so, you know, that's what I grew up with. You know, so yeah. there was a, always kind of like this, you know, very high standard. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so. Um, you know, when, when you were getting, breaking up and getting divorced, like, first of all, it's like hard enough and devastating as it is. But when you have um, a child with autism, Dylan at the time, you know, he was considered moderate to severe. That was the time frame in his life when he was already really struggling. Um, he that was, was a hard time for him. He was extremely, yeah, anxious. He had a lot of, um, you know, aggression and tantrums at that point anyway. So it was so confusing, like, to, you know, me just in general, but to everybody else um, that, um, you know, it was, it was my main goal at that point was just trying to keep it together um, the best I could to, you know, support the boys and get them through it, but not ever experiencing or like any of that. You know what I mean? I never saw that really around me much. Like most of my family or people I knew were still married. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I just wasn't exposed much, even myself to a divorce. And so, you know, it was like, how do I deal and how do I support the kids? And I think it was a combo. It was very hard because, you know, it was very hard to know because I've always known that Dylan is very, uh, like, even though at that point he was very limited um, verbally with communication, but he retains everything. Mm-hmm. And I, I absolutely knew by the way he was responding and reacting to things that he knew exactly what was going on. And he was very upset about it and like then he started acting out even more so it was hard and yet you have this younger typical um, you know child that 
like people perceive that oh it's probably even harder in him because he understands everything and blah 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 but I think it was equally but different like yeah. you know, very traumatic for both of them so but we made it through <laughs> I remember you asking me I remember you were like how do I tell him what do I do mm -hmm. and, you know at that time Dylan was really struggling and he struggled communicate to communicate and we all we all you and I always knew he understood everything not everyone agreed mm -hmm. with that but we always knew that yeah. um and so if I recall um like we found a couple books um mm -hmm. you just started telling him didn't you mm -hmm. like change some pictures if do I have that right did you like yeah we changed pictures around yeah. we did social stories yeah like you took down stuff. family pictures didn't you and like just yeah. took pictures of them yeah 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 stuff like that um i i always tried to though be respectful and like want them to also like you know maintain a positive relationship with their dad you know i tried yeah. not to be a person that you know said bad things like you know i, I never did that i never would you know um yeah. but um yeah, it was a real big struggle for them. I think the main thing, which Don is super fixated at that time in general too, was like he is like so reliant on um, you know routine, schedule, yeah. consistency, yeah. and anything that diverted from that in any way. Anyways, just something simple in the that you know his daily life, like he would lose it. So like to have such a huge situation happening, you know, and then also at the point where we, ended, you know, luckily we ended up staying in the same house. We're actually still here. Yep. Um, but even, you know, he, he loves his room, he loves his bed, but even having, um, you know, not to say like they didn't want to go see their dad or something, but just the change of, okay, like, now on this weekend you're going to go you know to your dad's and stay somewhere else like you for a child with autism like it just you know it, it took a lot of like coaching you yeah. know and and a lot of strategies and um you know he got used to it you but know, it was definitely hard yeah oh i remember he'd throw pictures and scream and yell and... oh yeah <laughs> you know I was... that was the time i got my windshield kicked in that's right <laughs> that was the year the the Christmas tree went flying across the the house oh like gosh, broke right. half the ornaments. Yeah, that was that was a wild year. That was the year. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, you know you know some of the reasons it talked more about reasons why families with autism are under more stress, which might also contribute to divorce. This rings true. The the symptoms of autism like the inability to communicate, the how he were you know they respond and change in routine like that's stressful enough then add a divorce to it right um resources my god it costs so much to have a child on the autism spectrum right oh, yeah. and the people and concerns about their long-term care like your divorce who's going to take care of them when they're old mm -hmm. right oh yeah there's definitely a lot of pressure i mean you know there definitely dylan didn't get diagnosed at his four and um and which blows you know, me we, away because it was so obvious yeah so we knew i think for about two years and we we're doing therapies and trying to get it yep. done 
but I do think I think part like that was twenty years. You know, ago. I knew that I knew the stress level like really hit when even though we knew when you go in and they just do this list of you know at the time that's really what they thought you know um, of like here's the big picture of a four year old and you have a two year old also right yep and you're still pretty newly married. Like, you know, mm-hmm. we're yep. only five, like, you know, at that point, like, you know, just over five years, you know, six years in. And, um, you know, and they just give you, honestly, like a, you know, a terrible, like, outcome <laughs> diagnosis for mm-hmm. your child's rest of their life. And, like, part of you is like, okay, like this, I have a life sentence myself now, you know? Mm-hmm. Um so like, and it's not in defense of anybody. It just like, of course, that, like, how could that not fit strain on anybody's relationship? Right. You know. Yep. So, so, and things are very different now than they were, or, you know, then. I mean, yeah, as you know, twenty years ago. That, yeah, the accessibility and like what was there, and like you said, like a lot of stuff you had to pay out of pocket. All out of pocket. We're mm-hmm. gonna do it. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, and then, you know, I think that's when things come out just like in general with like, you know, priorities of like, you know, of course, like when you're married, like there, you know, that's when things come out of like, you know, what, what are your priorities as opposed to, you know, other people's or the blame game of like either way, like, you know, like you said, the diagnosis or like, or the way you're responding to it, are are you triggering behaviors? Are you mm-hmm. reacting well to you know? So it's kind of it's sad because it you know it is hard. I've seen it with many people. So you know, and some people stick it out, and some people you know can't hang. And but in the long run, if that's how it's going to be, it's you know better for everybody. But it's not fun when you're going through it. <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny. I, I found this website that was done by a special ed lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I won't name their name because I don't want to, I'm not endorsing it in any way. But when I was doing my research. I'm like, this is so funny because the lawyer was basically saying, if you have a child with special needs, you're getting divorced. This is the shit you need to be doing if you're going to make sure your child's doing okay. And mm-hmm. I'll go through it because it's exactly all the stuff you've just said. But when you're going through a divorce, how the hell do you manage this? Right. And so like, my husband's divorce was nasty too. Um, I wasn't around, I wasn't involved. I, you know, I met him years later, but it was nasty, had a lot to do with diagnose and how to treat it. And they did not co-parent well at all. Um, and in the beginning, I think they kind of did, but as they got older, my husband ended up raising Melanie from the time she was 13 on and saw some, had some contact with her mom, but not a lot. It's improved, that relationship is improved now. But there's no communication. So imagine when the two parents will barely speak to each other. How do you, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, and I even, as a BCBA, you know, I came into the situation and I'm like, well, I'm going to get us all talking. And, you know, I know we've got to all be doing the same thing and be consistent. And I'll go through this list and we'll chuckle over how hard it is. But that did not happen. And it's very difficult to raise a child. And you experience a little bit of this when you're doing things differently. Mm-hmm. Right? But I will say what I noticed over the years is kids on the autism spectrum can adapt and they get really good about, I'm going to use the word compartmentalize, 
but mm-hmm. like like once they get their routines in each scenario like one home mm-hmm. to another if those routines remain the same even if they're different mm-hmm. they'll do okay it might not be optimal but i've seen that like dylan does that i think yeah he does fine and i mean one good thing is actually strangely when we did get divorced i feel like we actually were kind of more on board that's true. together I did, yeah. like, we did, like you know we always have you know there hasn't been like fighting about anything like you know what i mean like his therapies or treatments or medical or yeah goals or i mean you know we were co-conservators it was okay. never that was never in question we had we had even though i had primary physical we had joint like you know legal so that part wasn't really you know a thing but yeah i i agree and um dylan does certain things and he's kind of like that everywhere actually like if he goes even to my parents or when he used to go to my grandparents and stuff he kind of develops or different routines and schedules with where wherever he's at even down Mm -hmm. to eating like you know he'll eat something someplace he would never eat here but I mean, that's kind of a good thing because if anything, it maybe is bringing more variety into yeah. his life and more flexibility. So that's a good way to look at it. Yeah, I think once we got through the emotional, you know, very part. big emotional hump and just like through, you know, the the hardness. If like any divorce is, you know, I don't know many people that don't get divorced that it's not. It's not like no one likes it. It's not fun. But, you know, obviously, you know, we got through it and I think, I think both kids have turned out to be great young men and are doing well. But yeah, it's just, it's really rough, you know, and I I think what, go ahead. No, I was going to say from like with the BC Bay perspective on this, you know, I'm Mm -hmm. both a parent, step parent and the BC Bay, been in Melanie's life and known her since she was about 14 or 15. and you know the three major things that the law firm the special needs lawyer said it you've been saying it is consistency routines and stability right and it doesn't mean they have to match exactly which i learned the hard way like i thought if we were doing something a certain way melanie's other family should be doing a certain way but i did learn the hard way that she adapted to it being different like you've just described Mm -hmm. and so I just think knowing that because I was trying to be very rigid about it and saying it had to be the same across and I realized now it doesn't it just has to be same in that location the expectation mm-hmm. in each scenario is the same mm-hmm. right I think one really hard part about this situation at the time too um is that Dylan was not a good sleeper and so oh, yeah. I think that made a lot of things escalate too, um, like for his anxiety and stuff. And then I, you know, I had a really hard time with it. <laughs> and so I couldn't sleep either. So I feel like the, the two of us, I don't know how Ethan could s- seem to sleep through anything, still does, but we were kind of like walking zombies, you know. You were, like you guys were months, both, you know. You were both yeah. super sleep deprived. So I think. I mean, for me, that was a huge part of it. And then Dylan also had um, his whole life, like some underlying medical issues that we have just figured out even just a year ago. So 
I think a lot of, you know, that adds a lot of stress to, um, you know, maybe also contributors of like, you know, leading to divorce. There could be a whole checklist, but (laughs) I I mean, I, I think I'm trying to think of like a lot of my friends that are divorced that have um, children on the spectrum. And Mm -hmm. I, I think that's like a big part of it too. You know, I mean, it's stressful. It's not, it's not fun sometimes. Like Mm -hmm. I love Melanie. Um, and she's one of the funnest people I ever met, but I was like, can I have to actually sit down and, and Bill and I, and he was like, can you do this? Um, mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because Melanie was really mean to me in the beginning. She's verbal. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it was fun when we were dating because, you know, Bill and I would go off on our own, but then we'd start to incorporate and do things with her. And that was all fun. But then when we actually moved in together, Um, to adjust, uh, you know, I had to adjust my routine to hers, which was hard to do as the woman in the house. Like I was trying to be the woman in the house for a very long time. I had to adjust myself to Melanie and Bill's routine and not change it. And because when I first went in to try to change some things, Melanie did not respond well at all. She told me to F off. She told me I was a waste Mm -hmm. of space. And so I had to go like, whoa and like adapt my routine to theirs and make slower mm-hmm. changes. And I also, people have heard me talk about this a lot. I also had to learn to not make everything a teaching moment because I was driving Bill and Melanie crazy. I was constantly like, what about this? What about that? Mm-hmm. And Bill was like, I can't do it all the time, Kelly. Like, I can't, you've mm-hmm. got to give me time. And that's how we developed like for our ABA people it's called like non-contingent Sunday, which was really just like fun day Sunday, which was, yeah regardless of anything that had happened during the week, we let it all go Yeah, and had fun. And that's hard to do. You know, if like Saturday night, and I had a many a Saturday night when Melanie was brutal to me verbally, to get up on Sunday and just go and enjoy the day was really fucking hard. Yeah, 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 just suck it up. Like, well, I mean, then think about it. I think part of it is that age range too, that you were, you know, starting in the situation. You're also, when it comes down to it, you're dealing with a teenage girl, you know, yeah. uh-huh. regardless of it, if she's on the spectrum or not. I mean, my kids were like little kids, but like <laughs> dealing with any teenager yep. at all, you're going to get attitude typically, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she wanted, she was used to her dad's a hundred percent attention. Well, I think that's a big thing too, that I always found. Uh, I like mean, Dylan, Dylan do that. Dylan had to learn. Dylan's a just, tall mama's boy. Yeah, it always has been, still is. But even like, you know, even going through the divorce process, even, but then even it's the same thing, trying to date and then be in a relationship. Yeah, it's like, it's been, you know, a lot for people, you know, it's definitely a lot to take, you know, and you, and I think probably Bill feels the same way but for me I gotta like sit back and think about like the Mm -hmm. situation especially if like um you know the people that I dated and like my my wonderful partner now a very long time like he never even knew anybody with had never been exposed to anybody on the spectrum and I remember when I so we were dating for a while and then I decided that He's gonna meet, you know, meet everybody and meet the kids and the family. So I threw him straight in by um, <laughs> inviting him to Mardi Gras for autism. 
I remember uh, that. Yep. Event. Yep. yep. On Valentine's Day. And um, it was like, this is it, you know? And <laughs> here's my kids, here's everybody I know. You're going to be a lot of people with autism today, my family. And like, he didn't run. It worked yeah. out. It, it, we've had, you know, moments. It's not, you know, it hasn't been easy, especially, if, you know, I think the hardest thing for him um, was, and, you know, luckily things are mellow, kind of like, yeah. but like when Dylan would have tantrums and stuff, and if he would do anything to, to me, like, I just think for anybody, especially if someone cares about you and loves you, and especially if you're a guy, that's probably really hard to really, like take. Really hard. Yeah. You and yeah. I have talked about that. Yeah. <laughs> watch your son attack you got to be very mm-hmm. and it's not his blood it's different there's no question yeah. it's different when it's not your own child mm-hmm. like I love my stepdaughters to death but I can mm-hmm. tell it's different mm-hmm. yeah uh, so I will just uh, th- we could go on forever about this as, yeah for the BCBAs listening you know I, I just wanted to throw out there that like working with families to help things to be to get established routines and consistency and stability they don't have to be the same across the sites they just have to be the same at that site was my my personal biggest takeaway mm-hmm. and i'll just share jen you know i mel and i have been through a lot and i am 100 percent there for that that woman she's 33 um and she had to have a nose surgery yesterday it was in and out simple procedure mm-hmm. but you know she has never told me she loves me she can't do it. And I think in her mind, she has all these black and white rules. She tells mm-hmm. her mother and father she loves them. She'll give me a heart emoji and she'll mm-hmm. hug me. Um, I've even said, when I first time I ever said to her, I love you, she said no and walked away. So like, right. and I started crying, yeah. right? But yeah. I had to have a procedure yesterday and I saw her, I happened to see her in the morning and she sent me a message and said, I'm really glad I got to see you before my procedure because I couldn't go. I was working. It made it. It made my procedure so much better knowing you were there for me with a heart. Aww, I, I started love crying. It. Yeah, it's so great. That's so cool. Well, I think Bill that's did great. cry. Yeah, that's so great. Yeah. So that's the good side of this all. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll put some of the statistics in the session notes for people. Like I said, it's all over the place, but I'll put some of what we said in there. And um, at least we're all, we can close this out saying we're both happier and better off. <laughs> yep, for sure. Yep. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Thank you.